Then he said to her, For saying this, you may go. The demon has gone out of your daughter. When the woman went home, she found the child lying in bed and the demon gone. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to the Lord Jesus Christ. Father Fergal's in the back hearing confessions, if anyone would like to go. So this is an interesting gospel story of this, this woman who comes to Jesus uh, with, a, with a grave need. Her daughter is suffering, possessed by a demon. And uh, she's begging Jesus. And what's funny about the story is that it seems that Jesus insults her. Right? What is it that Jesus says to the woman that's insulting? Want me to read it to you again? This, he, see, she comes up. She's, she's a woman who's, who's a Greek, Syrophoenician, right? So that means she's not uh, a member of the Jewish people. She's not a member of the people of Israel, right? And Jesus says, Let the children be fed first, for it is not right to take the food of children and throw it to the dogs. What's he saying? He's calling this woman a dog, Right? So imagine, imagine, I mean, we, we don't do these kinds of things anymore, right? We've got a lot of more sensibility about um, people of different cultures and things. Imagine if someone uh, came up to you at lunch and he was, he was sharing food with other people. And he said, um, no, I'm not going to give you any because I don't give food to dogs. <laughs> that would be such an insult, right? So that's kind of what it seems like Jesus is saying in this gospel, Right? So I think it takes a little bit of effort to understand why Jesus says this, right? Why does he say this to this woman? So for the, for the Jewish people, they had this awareness of, having, of being the chosen people. In the Old Testament, God chose Abraham and he called him and he chose the people that would, the, the family that he would form to be his chosen people, the ones that he was going to guide and the ones that he was going to reveal himself to. And there are times in the Old Testament when, when God tells them why he chose them. He says, do you think I chose you because you're the best people of all the other nations in the world? No. He says, it was because I loved you. I chose you because I loved you. He's saying this to the people, to the nation of the Israelites. God loved them. He chose them in a special way and wanted to reveal himself to them because he loved them. So for that reason, all of the other peoples were considered different from the chosen people. I know this is kind of tough for us to understand this because we have a strong sense of how everyone has equal rights, don't we? Everyone of every different culture has equal rights and they shouldn't be discriminated against. But at the same time, we can kind of understand what they're getting at because um, you know, we have different countries, for example, and people who are citizens of one country have rights that other people who aren't citizens of that country don't have. For example, almost all of you are Americans, right? Is anyone here not, a, not an American citizen? I am not an American citizen. Me and Brother Joseph are not, right? We, I'm, I'm Canadian, so I don't have all the rights that you guys have. When it comes time to vote, Mrs. Engel can vote, but I can't. <laughs> so you could say, well, that's discrimination. No, it's not. It's just that I'm not a citizen. So that's kind of, that's kind of part of what's going on here, that the Israelites understood that they had certain rights that were given to them because they were members of that people, of that nation. Does that make sense? 
There's another thing that makes the, the people of Israel different from all the other peoples, and it's that they worship the true God. So there are also many times in the Old Testament where it's made clear that those who, who are not worshiping the true God are, are all worshiping false gods, objects that have eyes but can't see and ears but can't hear. You might have heard that, that passage before from Scripture. They have mouths but they cannot speak. These are people who have false gods, idols that they worship, that have no meaning. So that, that's part of what's held against them too. You know, sometimes we turn things in our lives into false gods. Anything that we have in our life that we love a lot and that we say, I could never live without that thing, or things that we desire with all our hearts can become false gods. So here's a good example. You know, let's say you're uh, in eighth grade and one of your friends gets like the newest version of the iPhone. What's the most latest version of the iPhone? I don't even know. Everybody knows. Isn't that funny? <laughs> Does any, I mean, maybe someone here has one, right? So imagine your, your best friend gets the newest iPhone. And you see it, and you're like, oh my gosh, I've got to get one of those. And you get like kind of fixated on it, and you're like, I'll, I'll do anything to get myself the iPhone, what's it called? XR. The iPhone XR, because it's got the coolest apps and the coolest graphics, and it can do anything. My life would be so much better if I had the iPhone XR. I mean, I know none of you ever think that way, but sometimes you might be tempted to. Or like one of your friends gets like some new pair of jeans that's really cool, or a new sweater, or, 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 or a, a really cool video game, right? And you're like, and you're like man, I've got to get that. When, when you start to have that thing in your mind that you love and you really like desire with all your heart, it's becoming an idol. It's just a material thing. It does not have the capacity to make you happy, to make you perfectly happy. It can't fulfill you. Eventually, it's going to get old, especially the iPhone, because in a few months, they're going to come out with a new one, and it's going to be not the latest version anymore. But somehow, we become enslaved to those things. We become enslaved to those things when they become our idols. So that's what has happened to the people who are outside of the people of Israel. They've let themselves become enslaved by material things that won't satisfy them because they're far from the God of Israel. So let's go back to our scene in the gospel. This woman comes in. She's broken. She's desperate. She's crying in tears. At home is her daughter who's possessed by a demon. So I don't know if you guys have seen movies or things having to do with evil spirits. Um, evil spirits really exist, and they're really scary. Okay? Sometimes possessed people can seem, can seem normal and in certain moments, and then in other moments they'll, they'll break out into, into a state of uh, frenzy and screaming and groaning and things. And this is real. So this woman has a daughter. Her own daughter is at home, and she's in this state, possessed. And she would do anything to have her daughter set free. And that's why she's there in front of Jesus. She comes there in this house, Jesus with his disciples, and she kneels down, and she's begging him, she's crying, she's saying, Jesus, please, please. 
cast this demon out of my daughter. So imagine you're one of the disciples, and you hear Jesus answered, which is, you know, I'm not going to give the food to the dogs. The food I have to give is for the children. What he's saying is, my gifts, my healing, my power to cast out demons is for the people of Israel. It's not for foreigners like you. And the disciples are all thinking, I mean, they see this woman here in front of them, and for sure they feel sorry for her, right? They understand her situation. They understand that she's desperate. They can see her tears. They can hear her voice. And, and they wish that Jesus would do it. But at the same time, they realize that Jesus is right. She doesn't have, have any right. It's not like it's Jesus' duty to her to heal her daughter. He's right in what he says, that he's come to serve the people of Israel and not just anyone in the world. So it's kind of, they're kind of wondering, what's he going to do? I mean, I, we all wish that he would. Everybody wishes that he would heal the woman, or heal the woman's daughter, right, and cast out the demon. But, but at the same time, he doesn't have to. He's not bound to do it. And then Jesus, the woman answers. I don't read the woman's answer again. Lord, even the dogs under the table eat the children's scraps. That's, that's a pretty amazing answer because it's not like the woman was offended and said, how dare you call me a dog? She, she humbled herself. She said, yes, Lord, I know I'm not worthy of this. I know I don't deserve this. I know I haven't done anything to merit having you help me. But please, just give me some of the scraps from the table. It's pretty amazing. I don't think many of us would be able to humble ourselves that much and to recognize before God that we're really fundamentally unworthy of what he has to give us. And yet, we should be. Humility is truth. Humility is when you recognize the way things really are. And all of us before God come before him as beggars. He doesn't owe us his gifts. He doesn't owe us healing or, or casting out our demons. When we come to him to ask him for graces, it's, it's, we're counting on his freedom, his generosity. We're asking him, Jesus, please, please help me. I don't deserve it, but please help me. And then Jesus turns to her and says, For saying this, you may go. The demon has gone out of, out of your daughter. And I think all the disciples are probably like really relieved. All of a sudden they realize, oh wow, he did it. He did it. And the gospel says she went home and found her daughter lying in bed and the demon was gone. Jesus, when he does this, he's not just curing this one girl. He's also making a statement about God's attitude towards this this woman who's a foreigner, and towards all people who are outside of the people of Israel, right? And you think about it, that kind of includes all of us, right? None of us are of Jewish descent, almost none of us. All of us are foreigners from the people of Israel, right? But Jesus, when he, when he answers this woman in this way, he's saying, you don't need to be born into God's family. Becoming part of God's family is possible for everyone. So I think that that's kind of where we're at. God invites us to have this attitude of this, of this woman. 
an attitude of humility. And at the same time, an attitude that, that allows us to reject all of the evil that can be in our lives. Those other gods that we've allowed to take over in our lives. The other gods like, that enslave us. The things that we desire in a way that's out of proportion to the way things really are. Ask God to set us free from those things so that we can love him and be part of his family.